everybody. Welcome to episode 59 of the Rich Cheese Radio Podcast, your place for horological hot takes, taboo topics, and often unpopular watch opinions. My name is Schmidt, and as always, I'm joined by my good buddy. You guys know him. You love him. Mr. Brodinky. Bro, what's up, my friend? Schmitty, back to record another episode. Uh, you know, my week's up, so I'm feeling pretty good. A little run down, but I can see the finish line. My uh, <laughs> my year's coming to an end. Very, very excited about that. Yes, and also, sir. you know, it's a fun time of year. We got the World Cup in December, which is new and interesting. And and let me tell you, being in the industry that I am and other and seeing other service industries with the World Cup going on during times where things need to be in gear, right? Like when it's during the summer, it's kind of it's OK. Everybody's kind of relaxed and chill in the summer. But like now it's go time, right? Everybody's trying to get yeah. stuff done for the holiday. Like yeah. everybody is has dropped everything and is just having fun watching the World Cup. And I could just see every boss is pissed off about it. And I love it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Well, you know, look, anything that's got the USA and American flag and patriotism just wrapped up into a sporting event, like, you know, automatically it's going to draw a bunch of people. I keep seeing all these memes on the Internet. It's like, I don't know anything about soccer, but I'm supporting the USA. <laughs> and I think it's absolutely hilarious. Yeah, that's great. Having people from over here getting interested in it. But also, I mean, I work with a ton of international, you know, different ethnicities and everything. They're super into it, right? It's oh, a yeah. lot of oh, national yeah. pride for them. And also they like to root for the people from their their clubs that they follow, Barcelona, Real, all that. So, you know, there's a lot of smack talking, a lot of a lot of betting going on. So I'm having yeah, fun just sure. kind of taking it all in and and also watching my my supervisors get mad at them for it, which is hysterical. Like, <laughs> you know, out of nowhere, somebody will just scream out because they hit some, you know, ridiculous bet. They're like, Yeah, it's it's really funny. So I'm having a good time with it. And obviously activity has come to a screeching halt. Yeah, and with uh, Christmas in the air, you know, it's a great time of year. Yeah, I love it. Took the kids around to see fake Santa. That's fun. Um, what? He's fake? What? <laughs> you can't say no, that. No, just, it's just not not the Santa. It's just a... Oh, yeah. that's right. It's his helper. Yeah. It's his helper. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You got to, you know... It's not. It's an homage. It's not a fake. There you go. <laughs> That's right, just, you that's know, right. watching the expressions on their faces, I'm like, is that Santa? And they're like, no, yeah, no, that's him. No, that, I I know who that is. That's I recognize him. That's him. You know, like <laughs> Yeah. Well, and and now my 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 uh my first child, she, she's at that age too where she recognizes. Right. And so she's just like, Santa. I'm like, I'm like, who is that? Santa. I'm like, Yeah, it is Santa. You better be good. Yeah, I gotta watch out. My first guy's a little too smart and he's like very on to things like that. My second guy is like all about it though. He's like, Oh my god, Santa. <laughs> yes yes enjoy enjoy the santa do you guys do the elf on the show yeah we just we we had him ha hanging from the ceiling fan today so that was fun okay yeah spider-man-esque i gotta crack mine open we we got one this year because now my my first child can actually comprehend what the heck is going on yeah yeah so that's we'll good uh, how are things over by you Good, man. Uh, weather's a little chilly. Um, it's certainly starting to feel like the end of the year. Things are slowing down a little bit, but I get a last few uh, bit of work things coming up, so nothing too crazy, but uh, going to round out the year strong. It's going to be a busy week for me as well, but glad to be recording another episode. So here we are. Yeah, yeah. All right. Getting into it. Uh, I guess we'll start off with where we left off in our last episode. I know we touched on the whole brick watch co thing and then funny enough the next day portner goes on, on instagram and has a meltdown oh yeah it was so <laughs> bad 
uh, so bad. It was. It wasn't good. It wasn't good. He, he got a lot of flack. Uh, people gave it to him pretty good. A lot of different people. Some of the people I even recognized from his video. I was I was laughing pretty good at that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I always feel bad for the guy. Like I feel like he just got a lot of bad advice. Yeah, and was probably misled and kind of stepped into the minefield or the bear trap, whatever you want to call it. That is the you know, kind of build your own brand in watch manufacturing. And, yeah. you know, it's like any other field. It matters who you get in bed with. And then you want to put that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I just, you know, like you said, I just think he got some bad advice and, you know, I don't want that for the guy because he's obviously a successful person, but everyone is just roasting him right now. And, uh, and I understand why I mean, it makes sense, but you kind of you kind of tried to extend a little olive branch, if I'm not mistaken. Is yeah, right? you know, I honestly I shot up a DM just to see. Well, because you know, I get I have a given my amount of followers, I get the like priority, um, D- DMing sometimes and stuff like that, or the notifications. So yeah, I tried to shoot him once, seeing if I would get that. Just I want to I want to get his t- like honest take on it overall. But he, you know, he's busy. He's got 4.4 million followers. He ain't got to respond yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. However, I but was hey. I was waiting for us to pop up in the video after Everett gave it to him pretty good. I was like, this dude's going to be like, what the hell is a wrist cheese? And who are these nerds roasting me? <laughs> smack. They don't know. They were nothing. Like, I was waiting for it. I was oh, waiting. Man, that was, was that like, would have been, like, been epic. That I was waiting for it to be status. like, oh, my God, no way. But also, like, that you can't buy marketing better than that. No. <laughs> No, we would we would we would have shot forward to the number one Apple podcast. <laughs> That's for sure, for sure. But uh, speaking of spotlights and podcasts, yeah, we. Uh, I'm sure people saw. I posted it up. We got our. They did wrapped for podcasters this year. Yeah, and I got new, right? I think it is. I mean, we've only been doing this a year, so I don't really know. I don't remember it last year, but yeah, yeah. I was really honestly pretty impressed with the results and I don't know how accurate they are. I don't know how skewed the metrics are. Yeah. Or if they're just blowing smoke up your ass. Like, I don't know, but it says we were played in 49 countries, which to me is bananas because I didn't 49 countries. I was looking at the list. I'm like, there's no way. Yeah. We're top 15 shared amongst users globally. Interesting. I, I guess that's cool. Yeah. (laughs) And then top 10 most followed. So that's neat. That's that's pretty damn cool. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, I don't know how many podcasts there are out there and what the following metrics are or yeah. any of that nonsense. But to be in the top 10% either way is still pretty cool. No, it's amazing. When you sent me the metrics, I was like, is this for real? <laughs> is this actually like what they're saying? Well, that's what I said. I doing? said to you, I go, is this a big deal? <laughs> I'm like, I, I, like, I kind of feel like a big deal right now. But no, um, no, I mean... Again, despite what those metrics actually mean or what they say or, you know, whoever is listening to us in Germany, thank you. <laughs> like all these people from around the world that actually tuned into our podcast and, and listened to what we had to say week to week. Thank you. And uh, thank you for, for spending some time with us and helping us to get to those metrics because we wouldn't do it without you. So thank you very much. It's amazing. It's honestly humbling. It is. Super humbling. I was telling my wife about it. She's like, somebody listens to you in Germany and Australia? And I was like, apparently like it yeah i guess you know so. what it is you make a connection with a few people here and there and then all of a sudden that kind of branches out like having spoken with nomos obviously and shout outs to our winner i don't know if you saw he got his watch yes. yeah yes. that's cool mark enjoy uh but you know like if 
people over at Nomos were listening for, I told them, you know, I would be talking about the giveaway and everything. I'm assuming some of them tuned in to check it out. So if maybe a couple of them told friends, hey, this is kind of funny or this is kind of interesting or kind of off the beaten path, check this out. Next thing you know, a few people tell a few people. It's kind of a just a chain reaction, the magic of the Internet. Yeah, I know. It's kind of impressive, too, how quickly that, that stuff can can happen and change. And it, it's amazing. It is. It is. But thanks, guys. Honestly, thank you so much. Yeah. And kind of in the same idea, uh, I actually I was I I was I Googled Brodinky looking for something and I came across a recent article. It was from November. It was on uh, Teddy Baldassar. And uh, apparently I was under the top however many people to follow for watch content i guess but like that was just like i stumbled across and i was like what is this like <laughs> no way kind of cool kind of neat i mean it just says like you know like who who you should follow in like a quick like two sentences as to why but i was like oh all right that's that's cool i guess <laughs> would have been nice to have known <laughs> yeah i know teddy little shout out please my friend <laughs> but either way kind of neat and uh that's super cool yeah, cool. and also the watch annual. I'm waiting on my copy, but I think it just got it just got released. So, okay, people are looking for a copy. You can get it now. Um, I know a portion goes to charity, so pick one up if you dare. There's a bunch of uh, cool people contributing, some nice photos, and then one meme from yours truly. <laughs> I love it. I can't wait to get my copy in the mail. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah. All right, onward. As we do, we will do new releases. So from a brand that we were intrigued by, I would say, previously. Uh, I don't know what to call it. It's an interesting release. It's the Bronze GMT from Synchron. Yeah. Interesting is, is putting it mildly, but sure. Synchron Military right, stirred up a ton of controversy, and it was very sought after, and people were all about it. This one, I don't know if people are all about it. Yeah. I, it's okay. I, I it's... I can't imagine that people are going to be like racing over the moon to to get this. I, I just I just don't. And yeah, it's thirty nine uh, millimeters, ten millimeters thick, so that's good. Again, size specs cool, makes sense. Twenty eight ninety three elaborate. That's good. Yeah. Now but, I I don't the site I was looking the Synchron site had it listed at MR, MSRP is fourteen hundred with a, a markdown to nine ninety. I don't know what that's for. I don't know if that's a Holiday doorbuster or something. <laughs> I have no idea. I just I, I saw no I was idea. like, all right, well, that's peculiar because this is new, but sure. Um, it's a hundred meters, hundred piece LE, and you can get it with a sort of brown dial or a green dial, and it has sort of an inner GMT track. Yep. Black on the top, uh dial matched color on the bottom, red GMT hand. It's just kind of ho home for me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Just look, this this is a watch that makes sense spec wise. You know, it's it's cool. Looks amazing. It checks boxes of, for people, right? That's when that's what I'm getting yeah. at. Yes. Yeah, I feel it. Checks that. boxes, it's you know, a spec, you know, dream, all those things, whatever. But you know, the aesthetically just to me it it's not doing it. Just ain't it. <laughs> it's got those hands like the Oris Pro Pilot we talked about last week. It's yeah. just not my cup of tea. Is it a good watch? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's got a, it's got a, you know, ETA movement inside. It's an elaborate finish, so it's going to be nicely decorated. You know, it's a, it's a cool watch from a specs perspective. 
but it's not a watch that I would ever want to see myself owning. I almost feel like it's a little late to the game, right? Bronze was kind of a thing in like the past year or two. GMTs have been a thing this year. I don't know. Just it feels like it was it was a good idea like two years ago, this watch. Yeah. It feels dated, I guess. I guess that's what it is. Feels dated. Yeah, it it, it certainly feels dated. And and I think it's a little bit of a of a of a mismatch in terms of styles and aesthetics and, and what's going into the watch actually. Um, again, is it going to watch? Sure. Is it going to be the watch that I want? No, it's not. It's okay. It's just a miss. That's fine. I'm sure it's a hit for somebody. Well, for a hundred people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, moving on kind of, uh, nothing special, but Seiko put out a refresh on the turtle and the Arnie, not the more recent Arnie, the previous Arnie, the solar Arnie. Um, with the Anadigi on top situation, mm-hmm. like the digital readout on top. It's the SRPJ35K1 is the turtle. SNJ039P1 is the Arnie. And these are basically Seattle Seahawks from the 1990s colors to a T. <laughs> That's what it is. It's the blue and greenish Seattle Seahawks, Joey Galloway. That's what this is around the bezel. They're not bad looking, not my favorite. It's not it's not quite the Seattle Mariner motif that I I talked about previously, although yeah. that's the the uh minute hand is quite close, but I mean they're okay. They're nothing special, but if you're if you're into this or you're a huge Seahawks fan, if you're part of the 12th man, this might be for you. Oh yeah. You know, again, good looking watch. For me, I have literally no desire to run out and get it, but it's it's cool. It'll be nice for somebody, for sure. Yeah, but I guess that's that's pretty much all you could say. <laughs> if you're a fan of Seiko, it's, if you're a fan of these divers, you you might get one. That's what it's it is. it's a cool colorway. I think I think that first off is that, you know. But it's it's a very Spartan design. It's there's nothing overly amazing, nothing overly bad. It's just this is a great watch. You'll see at the counter at Macy's, and you might like it, so you pick it up because it's inexpensive. Will it be a great watch? Absolutely. Will it be an accurate watch? Absolutely. Can you beat the crap out of it? Absolutely. So go nuts. Go buy it. It's cool. Now, is this going to be the watch that I'm going to be pining after for the rest of 2022? No. Definitely not. (laughs) Just ain't it. Now, on to a brand that I've spoken very favorably about before. We're big fans of, I think. Yes, yes, we Uh, are. So Nevada Granchen has been basically collaborating with everyone. And they've dropped three recent collabs in one week within the span of like a week and a half. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't get to some of these last week because I said there was such such an overwhelming amount of new releases last week that I didn't want to take up the entire episode on it. But so I guess let's start with this. This one will be kind of full circle for us. We previously talked about and and you have proposed this name as Secon Secon being France uh, French. Yes, it, because I, I I read it. I mean, I, I don't see accents. I can't read it verbally as I see it as seconda seconda. But obviously, you being a little more in tune with that stuff, you have proposed it as second second. Yeah, uh, I, I would imagine it's probably the, the French. <laughs> Fromage, so. Bermagne, yes, all that. Yes, all exactly. those fucking terms that I know. Um, But so he previously did a uh, Excelsior Park collab. Somebody DM me and said they are part of brands that have been sort of resurrected and 
by the same people as Nevada Granchin. Makes perfect sense. Oh, so, yeah. okay. So this is also in conjunction with Time and Tide. This is the Chronomaster Aviator Sea Diver. However, it's split into three different variants. And this, I guess the explanation is that the world has been flipped on its head. And so you get an actual head, a smiley face of sorts on one of the subdials. Now you have a choice of three. And the way you explained this to me was, because I was kind of just puzzled by looking at it, it's how you respond to, I guess, adversity, stress, yeah. etc. So, 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 yeah. So what I, what I understood from some of the articles that I read it's called, you know, the, the normal name is the Chronomaster. So this one, they call it the Chaos Master because the world is flipped over on its head. You know, writing in text on the dials upside down, backwards, yeah. things yeah. like that. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. That is kind of neat. <laughs> it, it is kind of neat. I mean, it's so different. I've never seen anything like it done before, and, and I kind of am here for it. You know, other than that, it's a normal Chronomaster, but there's basically three different kind of emojis or emoticons you would find on the 9 o'clock subdial. Um, one is kind of like a, a a cool face with sunglasses. Another one's kind of like a like a freaked out face with spirally eyes, like he's over like dazed and confused. And the other one's kind of a a, a dead smiley face with a with a, kind of like that sweat dripping down it's his kind face, of like an right? embarrassed cringe face. Exactly. And so the way I understood the the press material that I read was essentially that this is all how you respond to stress and to chaos. Are you the person that is cool as a cucumber during chaos? Are you the type of person that completely gets your your world in, engulfed in flames? Or are you the kind of person that's nervously, cautiously able to get through it? And it's kind of three distinctive ideas of what this represents. And each one is represented in those three different emojis for the dial. Very interesting. Now, I read a quote from this gentleman, and he said that he, quote, and quote vandalizes other people's watches because he couldn't get his own off the ground is what he said. So I guess he's kind of like the like almost like the the Banksy of the. I was watch just world. about to say Banksy. <laughs> I was just about to say Banksy. On <laughs> uh, the same page there, but yeah, uh, I think that's what it is. I think he's kind of he's kind of the chaos master himself a little bit. But we've we've he's, seen some neat stuff from him recently, and uh, you know, I think I think people people no, who appreciate I, the art and style will be into this stuff. And and what I what I love about it is because it's very um, it's very niche, right? This is obviously not a watch for everybody. No, the OCD crowd would go absolutely bonkers, you know, trying to read their watch backwards. Um, this is not going to be a watch for everybody, but this is a watch that would be a very cool statement piece to show to a meetup with, especially you know, because three pieces a pop. Exactly, it, it, it's it's a it's a it's a conversation starter. It's a unique piece. It's a very you know hard watch to get because it just isn't that many and each one of them is only evocative of that one specific idea you know that one specific emoji so it's very it's very very cool i like it i'm here for it i don't like all of his work as we've talked about before but this one i don't know it just it makes sense to me and the marketing also made sense like it just the images that I saw, the way that the way that they explained, you know, kind of how the Chaos Master was was conceptualized, I think is very cool. I like. Yeah, that. agreed on all fronts. Uh, moving on, they have another. Uh, Nevada has another collab with the Rake, or Revolution, as you might yeah. know. Uh, it's the quote unquote no Barracuda. It's a a blacked out Depth Master with creamy loom. 
and you can get it on a bracelet or on a strap. That's pretty much all it is. It's black, black. That, that <laughs> it, it looks come cool. on way. It come looks cool. on way. You could have done a little more. It's a cool looking watch. I like the depth master, as I've said before, and I, I've been on a black watch kick, so I can't deny that I like it. But. Well, like we said, black watches are coming back. You know, here we are. They're coming back. They're having a little bit of a moment again. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I like it. I've always been a fan of, of the of the death master. You know, especially given its water resistance rating, which we all were trying to do a double take when we first learned what it was. I saw, I don't know <laughs> if it's accurate, but I saw somebody wrote that this was the world's first thousand meter diver. I mean. The original, obviously. I, I, I wouldn't doubt it, maybe. I, you know, I I really don't know, but it's it's a cool watch for sure. Um, I really do like the blacked out motif and I do like the the, the patina of the watch. But it's a very Spartan watch for me, you know. I think it's cool enough that I could own one and have it in my collection, but I am not rushing out to 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 get one. But it's cool. Yeah, their third I, collab here is also a blacked out watch, <laughs> and that one is with <laughs> Undone, actually. Yes, and it kind of plays on the Pac Man theme that comes along with the Depth Master because the old Depth Masters they had some of the numerals looked like Pac-Man, like Pac the six yeah. and the nine, right? And so it was called the Pac-Man dial. Well, now it's an actual Pac-Man dial. They have the glowing yellow accents all over. It's blacked out completely otherwise. You've got a 12, 3, 6, 9, all the hands, and a pip in bright yellow, and then some stitching on the strap. Yeah. Everything else is black. And, and, and the dial takes it even a step further because... What they did to the dial is they created the 12, 3, 6, and 9 and the hands in almost a pixelated 8-bit type motif. Yeah. So it, that is why it it's called the cool. pixel, pixel art. It's, and the, it's the so 1,000 cool. for the depth rating is actually in, in pixelated 1,000 in, in yellow as well. So I, This is probably my favorite of the three. My favorite of the three Nevada releases. Uh, I just, I don't know, man. It's funky, and I like it. And I don't have anything black and yellow, and and undone. There's a lot of those watches, black and yellow motif. I think it's super cool. I would I would really like to own this watch, but I know they're probably already sold out. So there you go. But it's it's cool, and it does. If you didn't know, it does uh, come with two additional straps that are tropic. One's a bright yellow, and one is a black with matching black hardware. Yeah, Snoop Dogg or uh, Wiz Khalifa would would love this. <laughs> black and yellow, black and yellow. And last but not least on our new release list here is a variant on a watch that everybody has clowned repeatedly, which is the Audemars Piguet Code 1159. But this yeah. one, I think I would actually wear. I think I actually like this one. Yeah, It's a neat callback to a watch from the 90s. It's called the Star Wheel. It's a 41 millimeter case by 10.7, which is kind of neat given the what goes on in the inner workings here. But they got some cool touches. They got some aventurine going on in blue with sort of that starry look that we talked about when we had uh, Akbar on. He does that on his yep. watches. Yep. Uh, and it's got these three discs on the inside. And at first you say, how the hell do you read this? But if you look closely enough, the discs have little, they have a little arrow attached to them. So you're going to mm -hmm. read the, the minute across the top going from 10 to two, it's got zero to 60. Yep. 
and the hour is going to be whichever one is pointing at the minute track mm. basically so yeah and you have a second hand in the center standard format um but it's kind of a neat way to read a watch kind of a neat way to tell the time each one of those discs rotates to get the hour in the correct spot the whole thing i think rotates around because it has to get the discs in the right positions yeah so it's a really neat piece overall uh it is fifty eight thousand dollars <laughs> i mean but to be expected at least this i feel is, like this... i'm getting some some, some neat stuff <laughs> yeah i mean look i i I've said it before for me the the code 1159 is a dumpster fire collection for automars but this is actually a really arguably beautiful watch no question about it this one finally feels like the futuristic concept that the code 1159 is supposed to evoke for automars and the complication is is kind of a play on a on almost like a retrograde complication, yeah, um, or regulator style complication where you kind of remove all of the different elements of the time into into kind of different segments here. So that to me is very cool because it's not done often, and this is certainly the the AP take on it. But I love the tie in, you know, calling it the Star Wheel. I love the fact that they use the Aventurine for the dial, which mimics it mimics that night sky motif. It's a very, very beautiful timepiece. It looks really nice. This is an 1159 that I would actually own. It does not feel like a dumpster fire. It feels very well thought out. It looks very nice. And it's futuristic enough to hold its own in a different kind of collection status for AP. Yeah, nice to see something that is not from the Royal Oak family that is, yeah. seems like it's worth pursuing. Because, because again, if this was if this was in the Royal Oak, I'd have been like, oh god, here we go, like another thing, you know. Yeah. I'm glad that this is in the 1159. They're really trying to do something different, and it looks cohesive to me. Yeah, really nice piece overall. Now onto the topic that I think everyone has. I'm sure they they went into this episode assuming before they read any titles. Before half the people DM me about. I hope this is the topic for this week. Really? That way. Yeah. People are like, I hope you guys are going to be talking about pre-owned Rolex. Mm, yes. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so Rolex is going pre-owned. Not exactly, right? That's kind of the clickbaity title. That's kind of what people are are pitching it as, but it's sort of just like the shorthand of it. It's, it's not really the, the nuts and bolts. Um, so Rolex is going to be authenticating and guaranteeing watches to be sold by the likes of Booker boutiques in Europe right now. And I think by the spring, I think any AD can apply for this eligibility. Yeah. Now there's not going to be any servicing or restoration. It's just a certification. The watch has to be a minimum of three years old. Yep. And that's it. There's there's not a lot else to it. Um, yeah, but I have so many questions. So well, there, many there questions. There are a lot of there's a lot of angles. There's a lot of conjecture here. I mean, at face value, I think everybody said, "Oh, this is going to be a great way to kind of damage what's gone on with the gray market and maybe take a chunk out of them and, and sort of no. help everybody out." And then you take a look at the prices and you see yeah. 17 grand for no need soap. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I mean, right, right now. So you know, of all the articles that I've pined through, 
you know, Gear Patrol has had some pretty good reporting on this. They've written multiple articles by this point, and they actually had some links to to Bukura's website in the UK, or or even some maybe listed here in the US as well with some of the pricing of these CPO Rolexes. You're looking at a Batman for twenty one thousand dollars. Like, so if you thought that somehow this was going to help create or or curve the gray market, this is only so going to that's above gray market. This is only going to make it worse. This is only going to make it worse. And I have so many problems with this whole mar- with this whole scheme because what this is, is this is just another way for Rolex to have their hand in the honeypot. Another way. As if they didn't already control everything. Now they have to control the gray market. And this is going to cause so many issues. And it's not going to be issues that are going to be directly felt by the consumer. Because I think ultimately this is just a net positive for the consumer overall. What this is going to cause problems for is the retailer. It's going to be a nightmare from their perspective. I can guarantee you that. Having worked in this industry before, having dealt with buyers, having dealt with with uh, with people taking watches in on trade and all this stuff, this is going to be a colossal nightmare. I mean, yeah, I think Rolex decided they're going to get their piece of the pie. Right, everybody's had enough fun. Is that how you put it? It's fun. <laughs> I'm sure it's been very fun for all the people selling all these watches at ridiculous prices. Yep. But they've said this has gone on long enough. Time for Daddy to take some action here. I, I really don't know what to think about it. I think for me, it's kind of a nothing, a nothing burger. Uh, you know, I I feel like a lot of people are kind of over it by now. They're done with the chase. They're just they're either. They either have given up and are sad about it, or they're just kind of apathetic, um, like a lot of us are, where you just you're like, eh, you know what? I think I was just chasing those because everybody told me to, and I, I I'm not that into it anyway. I mean, I, I've spoken at length. I'm I'm really not that into the the modern Rolex offering at all. Yeah, but see, I mean, you're you're in the minority. But all their coolest watches died in the early 2000s. I mean, I would agree with you. The 100%. five digits are the four and five digits are my favorite. They are so good in so many ways. They're so true to the the name and everything that it stood for. And and even the prices were really good. Obviously, they're not good anymore, but yeah. they're just those are just such cool watches. They're, no, and I, and they're I agree very with you. they're very low maintenance. You. They're very non even for being Rolexes. They're they're kind of no frills, which is what I liked about them. Now everything's because well, that was link blue, in a... that was the blue collar watch. I had a buddy in college that that uh, that listens to the podcast and and he's a he's a listener that listens every single week. And he and I remember in college, he had um, if I remember correctly, it was a it was a Note Eight sub, and I forget what reference it was because I wasn't really paying attention to Rolex references back then because I couldn't I couldn't afford one, but it was a drilled lugs old school sub, you know probably from the 80s or 90s, but just a classic, tough as nails, put it on, go conquer the world type smirk. And it was so cool. So cool. And he sold it. And he, you know, he told me many years, like, you know, recently, um, once he's, once I found out he started listening to the podcast, um, he told me, he's like, you know, there's not a day that doesn't go by that I regret it. And he's like, now I can't even get one. He's like, I've I've priced myself out. I can't afford one. As many have. Yeah, and it's sad. And it's sad. And this is only going to be worse. This is going to make this worse. 
for everybody. And and this is going to make it ultimately worse, too, for the retailer, because that's going to be fronting the bill here. So one of the things that I wanted to think about this, because a lot of times when people think about, you know, the business, they only think about things from the consumer's perspective. And ultimately, the consumer is important. You're the end user, right? You're the buyer. But you have to think about this from the business standpoint, because ultimately, that is what the meat and potatoes of this conversation is. And too many people are focusing on the client right now. The client, you're going to be taken care of. You're going to have more access to Rolex watches. But the retailers are who I'm really concerned with right now because you might have a lot of mom and pop businesses that you've been trusting with your money and your family's you know, hard-earned income for many years that might not continue to be around because they won't be able to compete with this. So one of the things that I, that I, uh, that I was thinking out, uh, out loud is how does a retailer become one of these in the first place? Because you said you know, maybe you can apply but right now, the only retailers that are listed are major players. Yeah. Bucherer has a global presence. Yeah, of course. Right? They're Bucherer everywhere else. They have a few Bucherer locations here in the U.S. They also have the Tornell. You know, there's, there's, they are a presence. So what I think is going to ultimately end up happening is because they're able to readily available, you know, certify these watches as CPOs, right, to use a car term, certified pre-owned, and let's say a mom and pop in the same area or same district cannot. What does that do to their watches that they would normally secondhand sell? Are they now s- somehow worth less in the consumer's in the consumer's eye because they don't have the Rolex stamp of approval? Right. I think that's something people are going to have to take into account. You're going to have people who say, "Well, I'll take the discount and I'll go with mom and pop because I'm just not willing to pay the markup." And then other people are going to say, "I'm all about." you know, box and papers and papers. (laughs) But I think what most people's gut feeling is going to be is, Hey, you can't, you can't provide prominence for this. I'm taking a gamble going with you. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's where, that's where, uh, that's where it gets a little gutsy, you know, because there's nothing to say that this watch is legitimate or whatever. And so what you've done is you've undervalued these businesses ability to, to sell you a secondary watch. Right. Because now if you go and spend more money at Bucherer, then you're getting the warranty. You're getting the Rolex certification. And like you said, it's literally an inspection. There's no servicing. There's no service history. There's nothing. Right? All it is is an, is an inspection. And a stamp of approval says, yeah, this, is, this was a legitimate Rolex. And here's the other thing. There's nothing to keep in mind that this Rolex hasn't had service parts. As right. far as I can tell. I did read that. There's nothing to certify anything. It just says that these doesn't are certify originality. Parts. It just certifies that these are parts that were in a Rolex. Doesn't matter if they were period correct or they were service to, service swapped or they have a redial. It doesn't matter. It's just legitimate Rolex, legitimate parts, period. That's it. That's what your guarantee is getting you. Right. So that's the first thing I was thinking about. Second thing is where does this inventory come from? Where does the inventory come from? It's a good question, right? Everyone's like, "Oh yeah, we're finally gonna be able to buy a Rolex." Like, okay, well, cool. Each one of the, the each one from? of those bookers is is franchised, right? So, as far as I understand, those are corporate run stores, Booker. Um, now, if you're if you own a Rolex store, 
Okay, that's what I was that talking is, about. That that's is a franchise. franchise. That is franchise. So I was yeah. I was wondering if it would be on the franchise to kind of it would behoove them to find pieces to get certified to but, sell. But that's but that's my point. Is there's there are some a lot of, of retailers around the United States that have done that for many years, especially if they've lost Rolex uh, authorization to sell products, right? They go right. out and they become a, they essentially become a, a brick and mortar gr- gray market dealer, right? They take in watches on trade. They will refurbish them, check them for authenticity, and they sell them as, you know, they, they give for you them their own guarantee, right? Exactly, yeah. right? They have a store guarantee, you know, whatever. They've been serviced through XYZ retailer and will sell it as a, as a new product, right? Or will sell it as a, as a certified pre owned timepiece, okay? But the issue is, where does this inventory come from? Because for, for as far as I understand, when I was in the business, retailers that were selling brand new product were not allowed to do pre-owned because it was a, it was a conflict, of, conflict interest of interest for the Rolex yep. business model. Okay? So now what you're saying is, okay, we're opening up certified pre-owned. So now all of these companies that have been, you know, Issuing against it because they haven't been allowed to do it are now all of a sudden to be certified pre-owned experts. Now they're going to have to have whole departments of people running out trying to buy certified pre-owned Rolexes. Because here's the thing. I guarantee you Rolex is not going to furnish the inventory. So where do these watches come from? Can, can I mention the elephant in the room that if you're going to be a retailer and you're going to have new new watches, obviously not, you're going to have either display models or nothing in the case, but you're going to have the price for new watches and then you're going to have a higher price for pre-owned watches. 100%. Does that not look kind of ridiculous? It's 100% ridiculous. Yes. So you, you so you can't sell me a brand new Submariner at retail value with a five-year warranty today, but you can sell me a three-year-old Submariner at market value. So let's call it $15,000 with a two-year warranty because it's certified pre-owned through Rolex. How does that make sense? It doesn't. I would be pissed if I was a consumer. Just doesn't add up. At that point, you're, it, just, you're literally just looking at it as an asset. Again, that's my point. And that's why I was like, well, are they going to make retailers do this? Because how, how what is a positive for the retailer to do this? Other than maybe once in a while you're going to get a guy to buy over retail? I mean, I guess you're just going to play the this is what I have card, right? We don't have new inventory, but we have this. And it's marked up because market value, right? You go out to a I mean, restaurant, that's you a, get that's a lobster hard, market that's price. A hard pill to swallow because you're like, the guys I wouldn't like, go what? for it. No, I know, but I'm, I mean, you you and I think logically, but I'm just saying, like, that for, for an average consumer who knows nothing about what's going on in the industry, walking into a store, think about this way. You know, for them, that is their first shot at trying to buy a watch, and you're telling me you can't sell me the watch that's brand new, but you're going to sell me the watch that's three years old for more money than the brand new one and less warranty? That does not make sense no. from a business perspective. And they're saying, oh, yeah, all Rolex or, or, or the majority of this is going to be Rolex retailers around the world, which means that these are people that have currently uh, will have current um, abilities to sell the brand. That's how you become a retailer. It didn't mention anything about previous retailers. The only people that would really be benefiting from this from a 
certified pre-owned aspect are people who haven't carried Rolex before or lost their ability to carry Rolex because they already deal in pre-owned. Right. If you're a brand new retailer selling brand new products and then you open up certified pre-owned to sell against your own inventory, that's going to be weird. You know, and some people have raised this in parallel to sort of what AP did in their trials and tribulations on the path to becoming boutique only. And I think that's kind of like the the blood in the water right now. Oh, I would imagine. I've been saying it for a few years now. It's scary. That's a scary thought. Well, for people, for, you know, the Rolex fanboys, but. No, I mean, yeah, it, it doesn't affect me one way, but. You know, this is this is one of those things that's just kind of like, what are we doing? What is the industry doing? So there's a lot of questions that still haven't been answered. And and you know, knowing the crown, we probably won't get definitive answers unless you are a retailer. But what they're doing right now is they're forcing all of these retailers to scramble. It's gonna be a nightmare for them, and I really feel for them. The other thing too is who performs the validation. Right? Do you have to send this out to Rolex when you get your inventory? Do this? What's the cost? Is that cost translated to the consumer? I would hope that considering Rolex is going to get a piece of this pie, that they would just pay for the shipping. <laughs> but, but, but but I know the crown. They probably won't. Yeah. They're going to make them pay for the shipping. They're going to make them insure it. They're going to make them send it all the way to Switzerland, have somebody slap a seal on it and send it back. I mean... You know, as part of the validation, like, do you have to have the original box and papers? Does Rolex provide you with new box and papers if it's allowed to not have it? Yeah, well, that was the joke somebody dropped on the the meme I had with with the guy from It's Always Sunny, Dennis, yeah. where he said, "And listen, I I understand how this works. I I shorthand so things in memes sometimes. So when I said." Yeah, Rolex is selling pre-owned watches. I realize they are not directly selling them. Rolex doesn't directly sell, blah, 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 blah. I know. I get it. But you know what? For the sake of the... The reason memes are funny is because they're short. Yes. Okay? If you get wordy and obnoxious, they're not funny anymore. Yeah. It's too, much, too long to the, read. The time to process is part of the the magic. Too long so, didn't read. So sometimes, yeah. Sometimes you got to cut it short. Sometimes you got to abbreviate. Sometimes you just got to make it funny for the folks. So I get that for the uh, actual folks out there. But um, you know, I said, "Oh, Rolex is selling Brio watches." And then he's the the voice in the back is like, "I don't give a shit." He's like, "Ah, yeah, I don't give a shit either." Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's just a big, it's a nothing. It's a you, you know, you're, you're not getting a discount. Look, if they were like, "We'll sell you the pre-owned watches," even if they told, said, uh, "We will keep the price of the pre-owned watches congruent with the retail price," might be you a can't. big deal. You but, can't. Yeah. And you can't because I've already thought this through. I was like, if you did that, which would make sense, you bring it back down to to you. You would help to normalize the gray market. You would bring it back down, but you won't ever do that because what you've told all of these retailers and what you've told all these clients for years and years and years and years is that Rolex is ultimately retained their value forever. So if all of a sudden you just market adjust the pricing of all of these gray market watches to respectable retail levels. You just made a bunch of people who did these watches on investments take a massive loss. And that'll never happen. Where have I heard that recently? <laughs> that will never, never happen. And now here's the other thing too, right? So we were talking about the the, the validation, right? You got to send this to HQ. Can it be done locally? Can it be validated here in the States or in the market for which these retailers are living? 
Do you have a Rolex certified watchmaker perform the accreditations in store? Is that possible? Or does it have to go back to Rolex specifically? Right? How much does this cost? That's what I want to know. I want to know how much this costs because ultimately that's going to be transferred to the end consumer because the these stores, knowing the crown, are going to have to front the money for this. Because what I believe this will happen is Rolex will use this as another tool to control the retailers. Oh, you don't want to do our CPO? Okay, well then fine. The 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 chances of you continuing to carry our line are now in jeopardy if you don't want to do this. Oh, so you're going to do this? Okay, great. Now you're going to have to do a build out for a certified pre-owned section. We're going to have to have more floor space. You're going to have to have, you know, X amount of watchmakers or whatever. They're going to start controlling this to the T and it's going to get ugly. I guarantee it. It's going to get ugly. Again, clients are not really going to see this, but this is the back of house stuff that you only start to see when you've worked in the industry before. And then my my last kind of thought as to where where my brain goes when it comes to things like this is, listen, there's there's people right now 3D printing these things, these little tags, no doubt, <laughs> right? <laughs> How yeah. are they going to stop the the Fugazis from messing this yeah. up for the rest of us? Yeah, I mean, they already posted a photo of what the tag actually looks like and the warranty card, so yeah, what's to say that somebody doesn't start you know copying it? I mean, China's very good at doing this. There's a reason why they got super fakes coming out. You know, it's it, it, it what what other secondary tier market is this going to create for for illegitimate watches being sold as legitimate? Right now, you already had that for box and papers previously. Now, this is a pre-owned watch. I don't necessarily need to have box and papers, but look what I have. It's certified. Yeah. But what if it's not? Yeah. <sighs> Uh, again, this is all the issues that are going to be back of house issues. Like I said, this is this is ultimately who's going to who's going to the bear the brunt of this. It's the retailers, and it's going to stress them out. You're going to see more of your mom and pop retailers close because they won't be able to continue with the demands of this. And what's ultimately going to happen is you're going to start to see a distribution of wealth change from mom and pop retailers to major corporations that can provide these services. You're going to have more brokerages. You're going to have, you know, mayors, watches of Switzerland. Those are going to be the stores that are going to be able to continue to do this. I guarantee you. Because they're the only ones that are going to get the vast majority of the inventory. They're the only ones that are going to be able to keep up with the payments to send these watches into Rolex, to have them certified. They're going to be the only ones, and it's going to control the market. Yeah, Not only from the retail's perspective, but now from the wholesale perspective as well. My caption was the middleman can't catch a break because we always rag on the middleman. Obviously, that was the the line that I think it was MVMT used to go to, cutting out the middleman. Yeah, yeah right? cutting we, out the middleman, yeah. yeah. So kind of hearkening that. And somebody goes, well, what about the consumer? And I wanted to be like, dude, nobody's forcing you to buy this crap. Yeah. This isn't $7 tank of gas where you have to buy it to survive. Yeah. This is a luxury item. You don't have to buy this crap. Don't support this with your money if you don't like it. But the problem is, the reality is, bro, as much as I agree with you on that, people are still going to do it. And these retailers know they have to do it. If not, they become irrelevant. And that's just the reality. Again, ultimately, this is only really beneficial for the client. You know, it gives you more access to Rolexes. You have now warranty. You have a, a, a guarantee. You know, all of these things. This is good for the client. 
the people who get screwed are the people who sell you your watches. It's going to be an ever-living nightmare for them. And I have already had friends text me and call me, and they're like, dude, we are so not ready for this. Because certified pre-owned is already an issue. You already have to have to watch service. You already have to have it checked. You pay somebody to do it. You know? Then you got to sell it. And here's the thing. You have to buy it low and sell it high. Right? And that's the one thing that we haven't talked about. Right now, as far as I can tell, these pricing structures are following market prices. So what happens if you bought a Air King in May of 2022? Right? And you bought it at top tier market prices as inventory. And then all of a sudden you had to do this CPO thing. You're spending way more money than you have in this actual watch. And now you can't sell it. Well, that was what we, we talked about. There, there have to be people who looked to cash in on Panda Daytona's around buying it 40 something thousand because they, they were under the impression that 50 something was going to be the new go-to pricing and it was just going to keep going up right and now it's going down and now i've seen i want to say i've seen them in the 20s yeah like those people are holding the bag (laughs) yeah absolutely absolutely and i and i remember talking to it to a watch collector at a meetup you know this is probably back in april and he's like yeah man he's like you know i know a guy who, who who buys stuff and he said right now he's not buying anything on trade I said, what do you mean? He's like, the market's hot. He goes, yeah, yeah, the market's hot for right now. But two weeks from now, it could soften, and he's left holding the bag. He buys watches on a case-by-case basis, and he only buys them if he already has it sold. Yeah, I was getting DMs. I think it was... I can't remember which retailer it was, but a pre-owned retailer, somebody said, oh, they wouldn't buy my Explorer. Yeah, because they already had 12 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, damn, that's a... That is a tipping point signal if I've ever seen one. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, that new Explorer sucks. <laughs> it's so bad. It Honestly, bro, it feels like a 34. I got it's to so check bad. out the uh, Rollasaur one not that long ago. Oh, the two-tone? wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Dude, it's a chick's watch. It's a chick's watch. Nothing against any, any guy who has one, but everything against you because it's a chick's watch. But I, I tried on the 36 millimeter. It was a pre-owned. I was at an event recently. And I hated every second of it. It felt like a toy. I did not like it at all. I don't even have a big wrist. I got like seven and a quarter inch wrist. Like this is a watch that only Danny Milton can really wear. And that's why he loves it so much. I get it. I mean, I'm a I I like small watches, so I, I it, it would probably work well with me. But again, I I'm going for the I, five I just, digits. I, I, I don't just, want this one. I want I want the janky bracelet one. That's the one I want. Yeah, well, that one that one honestly probably feels nicer than this one. It just, I don't know. It just it, it was a weird it was a weird mismatch of like modern and then old, and it felt weird to me. But I I tried it on. I looked at it and I was like. What size is this? They're like, yeah, it's 36. I'm like, oh, it's so ugly. I hate it. 39 was probably the best Explorer one size, period. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, things like dial aperture, lug to lug, those come into play. I mean, you know, you, when you think, when you hear 
diameter, you think of a number, you say, oh, too big, too small, whatever. There's a lot of other things at play there. Yeah, but see, the lugs are short. Yeah, they are. It feels small. It feels very small. Like well, I think it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be a cumbersome watch. People are people are hiking in it allegedly. Yeah, I, okay. I, I'm air quoting <laughs> yeah, allegedly. Okay. <laughs> the original folks, uh, but yeah, I'm I, about I, near. I wear this one right next to my Smiths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, man. It's just. Uh, I think. I think I don't know what to think. I have a lot of questions. But I don't have a lot of answers. And for any of you guys out there that might be retailers or might be working at retailers, get ready. It's going to be rough. I'll tell you that right now. Clients out there, guys looking to score some Rolex watches, hey, man, maybe this is now the opportunity to finally get something. And maybe, hopefully, the, the, the market starts to normalize. Maybe it's not a CPO through Rolex, but maybe some mom-and-pop retailer that, that had a CPO through their institution, maybe those those prices start to come down as they as they try to compete with uh with the CPO Rolexes. Yeah. And I think, you know, the more these prices get driven down, the more that these big brands are also gonna have to correct and the more that the market prices might actually normalize for real. It's the only silver lining that I could potentially see. This is only going to benefit the consumer, and that's great. But you know, the 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 retailers are really going to get screwed on this deal. I can already imagine it. So, best of luck. You're gonna need it. All right, we'll put a cap on that for now because since we were touching on depreciating assets and things that. <laughs> oh, stop! This is your segue. This is my segue. Oh, I love it! I love it. <laughs> So Timex, a brand that I usually give a lot of props uh, to, a brand that uh, I really like. I, I'm going to just preface this with I, I do like Timex. I appreciate what they bring to the table. I like their offering. I own some of their watches. They're very fun. They put out a collab with Board Ape Yacht Club, which for those who don't know, this was the 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 monkey NFT pictures. You, you might have yep. seen I mocked it. My logo was I made my own with my finger in a paint app. And made it my profile picture for a minute on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Yeah, back in the day, <laughs> so, back in the day. So it's a picture of an ape, and they usually have a stupid face on, and they got customizations. That's it. And these are non... I don't know if it's fungible or fungible. I don't know. I think it's fungible. Yeah, it's but fungible, I think. Not fungible tokens. Uh, you know, basically what, what it's saying is it's 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 basically authenticated on the blockchain type of thing. It's supposed to be digital art, right? Yeah. And people paid stupid amounts of money for these things, right? They got led down the rabbit hole by the likes of Gary Vee and Logan Paul. And now these things are worth a fraction of what they were. I mean, obviously, the, the, the crypto crash happened sort of in a way. I mean, these things are like under a quarter of what their original value was. So speaking of bag holders. Right? Yeah, no joke. But so, but so Timex did a collab yeah. with, with Board Ape and... This is only for members, and they can get a Timex with their ape on the dial, kind of personalized to them. It's twenty six hundred bucks. Twenty five. Twenty five. Sorry. Oof. And uh, but there's what five hundred that they're making. Five hundred. Five hundred piece uniques, essentially. Right. And it's it's an Indiglo. It's an Indiglo Timex, but. Look how much money Timex makes. 
Yeah. We're basically nothing. I'd say a million and a quarter for those who are not looking at. Yeah, a million and a quarter. If you add the 2,500 plus the 501 of one watches for the Board Ape Yacht Club people, it's 1.25 million for a watch that probably costs, I don't know, $2 to make, $3 to make. There's one born every minute, Schmitty. I guess so. <laughs> I guess so, man. <laughs> Apparently, it's just not me today. You know, I get it. I get this is a, a niche thing and it's exclusivity and it's all that goodness. I, but I don't get it. Yeah, right. it, this 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 just ain't it. It ain't it, my friend. It's niche. It listen, the whole FTX thing put a sour taste in everybody's mouth about crypto to begin with. Yeah. Right. This goes right along with that. It's so it's kind of old news. I, I don't know. This is just not a good look. Timex, I, I I really do like you. I just this is not a good look. And I get it. It's limited. <laughs> but, it doesn't matter. Hey, it's you know what? Though, they, pieces. We're gonna make money, but, but it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, they're laughing all the way to the bank because they've already <sighs> sold these launches. You know, you know for a fact those NFT bros could not go letting somebody else have one, but not them. So they already all sold them. I guarantee it. All five hundred of these are sold. Timex made a cool one point two five million dollars in nothing. But Time. by that same token, can we really rag Portnoy then? You know that so many Barstool Bros bought that shit just because he is who he is. They love him. They love the brand. They love everything yep. that it stands for. Yep. He's selling them for $2,400, $2,500 a pop. Yeah, I know. And believe me, I know. I know. I so know, if I he know. sells 500 of them, look what he's looking at. Yeah. I mean, look, it's a smart business move based on money and his notoriety 100%. But watch people are not going to run out and buy this watch. But you know what? They don't watch people to. also watch people also didn't buy MVMT and look where those guys are. Yep. So as much as I want to sit here and dog and 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 you know point fingers and say you know this is stupid, you know what? At some point, Portnoy is going to make a ton of money, and we're all going to be laughing at him. Yeah, he's that's kind of, laughing right back at us because of all the money he's swimming in. Now. That's kind of the funny part. I always kind of try to reflect on with stuff like this is how do I measure success? <laughs> do I measure success in a product that you should be proud of? Or do I measure success in you made a ton of money off it regardless? Right. Because the dream is selling something that's dirt cheap for a huge markup and kind Correct. of not telling anybody how the sausage is made. It's kind of that's the dream. I mean, that's what MVMT did. I mean, massive marketing. Very inexpensive watches that made them cool. They marketed the hell out of them. And you know what? Those dudes sold them a bottle group and they are laughing all the way to the bank with all of their money. I mean, my brother's friend got married and he gave all his guys at his wedding party MVMTs. Yeah. And I was obviously, I, I walked in the door of my family's house and I saw it sitting there and I, I had a good chuckle because the thing is at least 50 millimeters. But yeah. <laughs> but I was like, and my, my brother, he know, you know, he knows about. It. My my doings, and he's like, I didn't buy it. And I'm like, all right, like I'm not. I'm, was like, I, I was trying to be very very nice about it. But he's like, no. He's like, <laughs> he's like, Phil gave it to me. It was a wedding party thing. I'm like, all right, all right. He's like, yeah, I didn't buy it. Like, all right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I don't know. I don't know if we can really crush people on on all those levels, but I don't know. I just. I kind of feel weird supporting 
something like this though. Like if I was Ty Banks. No, I mean, I don't support it at all. I get it. I understand it. I don't support it. And I'm not knocking technology. Like I, there was a time I made a ton of money in cryptocurrency, but it is what it is. Like it's, it's any market ups and downs, whatever. But like, I don't know. I don't know. This just ain't it. That's what, that's what it boils down to. This just ain't it for me. And you know, again, Hey, this is it for somebody else, but you know what? More power to them. It ain't for me. And it's never going to be for me. That's it. Yep. I guess that is sort of the the underlying theme of this episode, then, isn't it? I guess so. <laughs> this just ain't it. <laughs> this just ain't it. Uh, with that, I think we can put a cap on episode 59, the big 6 0 coming up next week. Thank you all for tuning in. We appreciate you stopping by every week, especially all those people who had, we had a hundred some odd people have us as number one podcast on their Spotify. So thank you, you folks. Guys. I love That's you guys awesome. so much. A lot of top fives, more top tens, but still a hundred some odd number ones. That's a big deal. So with it. that, we'll see you out. Catch you next week on Rich Cheese Radio. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys. Thank you.